The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. So, so today is the first day of our new year in the church calendar. And, you know, we, we, make, we make resolutions when it comes around to be, you know, the official cultural new year on January 1st. And if your resolutions run anywhere along the lines that mine do, they, they run along. I promise this year I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. And I promise this year I'm not going to eat that second or third or fourth bowl of ice cream. I, I promise that this year I am not going to overwork myself. I'm not going to be grouchy with my wife. I'm not going to, you know, avoid mom's phone calls someday. Not, not that I ever avoid my mom's phone calls, but some other people do. You know, this year I am going to be that person that every other year I somehow have managed not to be. And I don't know if your resolutions go like mine do, but most years I seem to miss the mark. This year, for instance, I only went to the gym twice. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it is a time, though, to think about who we are and what we're about. It's a time to think about what our priorities are, what our values are, what our, what our hopes and our dreams and our purposes for our life, right? And as we celebrate the new year of the church, it might be a good time to, to think about what is it that we as a congregation are about? What are the things that we hope, that we dream that, that we envision, I have a feeling, and I'm going out on a limb here, that one of our hopes and dreams at Holy Spirit is one day we might be in the new building, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice to see this coming year? Yeah. You know, maybe, and, and these aren't necessarily particularly to your congregation because first time for me, first time y'all meeting me, so, you know, that, so just imagine that this is a place where some of these might apply. You know, this year our congregation council will not micromanage our committees, right? This year... Our council, when we talk about the budget, and our finance committee, when we talk about the budget, won't be worried about spending shortfalls. But instead, we'll ask the question of what is God calling us to do and trust in God's abundance to provide what we need to do the ministry that God calls us to. I know that probably never happens to here, but in some places over in Columbia, there are congregations who struggle with this. You know, this year as a congregation, 
We will take seriously the needs of the people who are shut in and can't get there. This, this year as a congregation, we'll take seriously the call to be a congregation for the world and not just for, for the people who come within these walls. You know, we imagine what, what God is doing here. And let me let you off the hook just a little bit. You know, no matter what it is we resolve to do, no matter what it is we promise to do, no matter what new energy we find at the beginning of the year, we are going to be falling short of those goals. We're going to break some of our resolutions. It's okay. But I think one of the things that we as people of God, as, as congregations, can benefit from thinking about is asking the two questions consistently. What is God calling us to do and be? And what do we do about it? If we can ask these questions as we go along throughout the year, then we may not necessarily answer these questions perfectly, but it at least points us in the right direction. And in a time like what's going on right now, these questions about what is God calling us to do and be become critically important, not just for our congregation, but I think for the world around us, because they assume something that we have to remember for the rest of the sermon. God is with us. No matter what's going on, no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what's going on in the world, God is with us. It's, it's true that God's been here. And it's true that we look forward to that time that's going to come when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, as we say in the Nicene Creed. It's true that we're looking forward to that future when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness. But today, the gospel that's important for me to hear is that God is with us. In a, in a year where I've, I've had big transition in my life, I left a congregation and started in the Senate office and realized for certain that there are a lot of things that I'm not capable of doing. You know, God is with me, right? In a, in a year where we hear about murders in a church building in Charleston after somebody sat through a, a Bible study, murdering those very people with whom they were studying the Bible, God is with us. In a year when so many people in South Carolina... And not just South Carolina, but Texas and other states have been affected by floods and fires and natural disasters and earthquakes. God is with us. In a world where people can walk into schools and doctor's offices and Planned Parenthood and shoot people up, God is with us. And these words are, are both at once the promise and also the hope. They're, they're the promise because we live as a people who have experienced the presence of God throughout our, our history as a present reality. We're the people who were created by the God who promised to be with us and in the very first called us into relationship, saying almost from the very beginning, it is not good for us to be alone, but God created for us someone to dwell with us and share our lives. And, and it was just as important for us to have a community of people as it was that promise that God is with us. God is with us through Noah and his family in the waters of the flood, as God preserved the remnant during the flood waters. God is with us as we cry out as people in slavery, crying out for freedom, as God parts the waters so that we can cross into the freedom. And God is with us when we get to freedom and start to complain because we don't have the same things that we had back in Egypt, right? God is with us when we complain because we don't have bread to eat and gives us manna. 
God is with us when we complain that we don't have water to drink and draws waters from the very stones. God is with us when we complain and say, well, the man is all right and the water's all right, but, but God, if only we had some meat and gives us quail to eat, God is with us as we wander by giving us a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide us through the wilderness because wherever we go, we are following God. God is with us when we are the, the man whose daughter was sick and the disciples couldn't cast out the illness. And Jesus said, this kind is only accomplished through prayer. And the man said, I believe, help my unbelief. And the man's daughter was healed. God is with us. It's a, it's a hard time sometimes to remember that God is with us when we see the world around us going crazy. You know, if, if you've looked at Facebook or, or Twitter at all this week or any social media or news site that covers current events, or at least in these last couple of events, Instagram is different because Instagram is only for posting pictures of your cat, your food, and occasionally babies. Those are, and LCY events, we post pictures of those there too. I break the rules. But if you've if you watched anything this, these last couple of weeks, you've seen bitter arguments among friends about what to do with refugees, you know, and... And it's, and I want to say up front, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I don't care if you're liberal or conservative or even Carolina or Clemson. God is with you too. But, you know, it's, it is something that really strikes at the core of who we claim to be, right? Because we are all for doing the right thing when things feel safe. But as soon as something feels dangerous, all of a sudden we tend to back up, right? Isn't this part of being a human being too? that when things feel uncomfortable and scary, that, that we begin to circle the wagons and define who's in and who's out, who's us and who's them, who is welcome and who is not. One of the ways that God is with us, and we see this in today's scripture very clearly, is that God is with us not only when it's safe, but God is with us when it's dangerous too. God is with us when not only could it cost us something, but God is with us when it costs God something. And one of the things I often talk about, you know, this first week of Advent is how weird it is that we're welcome, we are waiting on the baby Jesus. We are waiting on this new hope, this new life, this new creation, focusing on the things that we're resolving to do. And yet we begin with an apocalypse. We begin with a conversation about the end of times. We begin with a conversation about when things are difficult and things are scary. We begin with a conversation about a world in which so many things are absolutely beyond our control. And Jesus is telling people that not only are things beyond our control, but it's going to happen to you too. The gospel of the Lord, thanks be to God, amen, right? But think about where Jesus is preaching this. Jesus is preaching and teaching in the temple. It's Luke 21. Already people are plotting against him. Already he has had argument after argument with the Pharisees and the chief priests and scribes. Already he knows that people are gunning for his life. And he could avoid it if he would just stay away from the temple. He could avoid it if he stayed away from those people who were after him. He could avoid it if he just kept his head low and circled the wagons, and kept his disciples quiet, and just didn't shake things up anymore. 
The end of this chapter that we didn't read is day after day. Jesus taught in the temple and people gathered to see him. At night, he went to the place that's called the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, everybody always got up and, got, and went back to the temple to hear Jesus teach again. Day after day in the temple, the very place where Jesus was stirring up the people who were going to execute him. Jesus taught and did what God called him to do. Because God is here, even when it costs God everything. And as, as we think about who we are, you know, and we, we think about who it is we're really called to be. Because it's easy to be the people of God when it doesn't, when it doesn't challenge us, right? It's easy to be the people of God when, we're, when all we're really doing is looking forward to moving into a new building. It's easy to be the people of God when it means singing carols to the shut-ins, which I think is wonderful. And that's not saying don't sing. I think you should sing carols to the shut-ins, you know. It, and I think you should move into the new building, too. You know, it's easy to be the people of God when we're talking about the things that make, that make us happy. It is hard to be the people of God when it means that we have to confront the things we're afraid of. When we have to confront our conscience, when we have to confront our culture, when we have to confront the fact that what the culture tells us is it's okay, sit back, be comfortable, because nothing's really expected of us anyway, right? Isn't, isn't that the thing that we wish we could hear? It's the thing that I wish I could hear because it would make my life so much easier. It would probably make my wife happier because I'd be home more often. But part of trusting that God is with us is remembering that God is not only with us when the sun is shining. God is with us in the midst of the storms, too. God is with us when we're facing those things within us that we have no control over. When we're wondering, how can we ever stop people from walking into places and shoot them up? How, how can we welcome people who are refugees even when we don't feel safe? How, how can we help people who need food and water and clothing even when it makes us to be uncomfortable to be around them? How, how can we love people even when they're acting unlovable? And how can I ever feel like I'm worthwhile being someone who is loved when I know the brokenness in my own heart, when I know the stains on my own soul, when I know those places deep within me that if anybody ever saw, I know they'd never love me again. Those places I don't even want God to see because I doubt even God could love me if he saw those. These are the places where God is with us first. In those places that are dead and broken, laying fallow in the salted earth, God plants the cross and declares that this is where my new life begins. In the moments where we recognize that we have no control in our weakness, God's strength is perfected. In our weakness, God is strong. In our hopelessness, God is our righteousness. God is our strength. God is our salvation. In our brokenness, God is with us. And so today, when we start with the, with the apocalypse, the end of all things, the time when we hear that everything really is beyond our control, our response is thanks be to God, because God, who is in control, is with us. 
So as, as we go out from this place today, and we proclaim that good news to the world who needs so desperately to hear it, God is with us. We ask ourselves the question, how is it that God is calling us to be the presence of God in a world that needs God's presence so desperately? What is God calling me to do? What is God calling me to be? And how am I going to respond to it? Amen.